0: It's a 26-minute sports podcast with Cameron Wyatt. I am Cameron Wyatt, obviously, talking through this microphone. Big day on this Monday morning, the 21st of February in 2022. A lot to talk about in the NBA and in the NFL. Let's go ahead and start in the NBA out west with the Phoenix Suns. Big news over the All-Star break, not only... Was there an All-Star game? Not only was there possibly one of the worst dunk contests that we've ever seen. But we got news that Chris Paul is going to miss probably anywhere for a month and a half to two months with a thumb injury. Now, I don't think many people were obviously not really expecting Chris Paul to have this injury. Obviously, we knew going into the All-Star break he was going to be an All-Star. We were expecting to see him in the game, and then we get news maybe four or five hours before the game starts that he has this injury and he's going to be out for that said timetable of six to eight weeks. Now, a couple things for the Phoenix Suns. One is that they're obviously built to be able to handle this with the depth that not only they have at the top end of their roster with stars like CP3, Ayton, and Devin Booker, they have other guys around to where losing one of those top end stars like they did earlier in the season with DeAndre Ayton Uh, losing Chris Paul right now is not going to be as major of a deflation for Phoenix, I guess you could say uh, as it would be for some teams. They'll still have guys like Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges uh, off the bench, guys like JaVale McGee, uh, Cameron Payne, Landry Shamit. They still have a lot of players on this team. They still have Devin Booker and they still have DeAndre Ayton. So You know, they might drop a spot or two in their standings from where they are right now as the number one team in the Western Conference, but even saying that seems like a stretch because even if this team floats slightly above five hundred over the next month and a half, which we've seen this Phoenix Suns team lose, what, 10 games over the entire season in 57, 60 games so far? You know, there's, there's really no reason to believe that this Phoenix Suns team is going to fall anywhere shorter than the number two seed by the time Chris Paul comes back. Uh, And even that, like I said, seems a little bit unreasonable. Um, There's more things to talk about, though, than just where Phoenix looks once he comes back. Uh, There's a question of who takes on a bigger role for this Phoenix Suns team. There's, like I said, there's heavy, heavy top-end name guys for this Phoenix Suns team. You have Devin Booker, you have... DeAndre Aiden. You have Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson who are new, I guess the newest guys to the team uh, outside of DeAndre Aiden who are trying to prove themselves not only to the team still but probably in the league as elite players in the game. Mikael Bridges has done an incredible job as being a defensive stalwart at that number three position uh, as well as being a very solid offensive threat with and without the ball in his hands. And Cameron Johnson has done the exact same thing as well. Um, You know... It sounds weird to say that he's going to be taking on a bigger role because he has the 7th highest usage percentage in the NBA right now, but that's Devin Booker. Uh, This is going to be his first time alongside DeAndre Ayton and alongside guys like Cameron Johnson and Mikael Bridges. Uh, That's Those four guys' first chance as being the team without CP3, and this gives them an ability to look into the future without actually losing CP3 yet. Uh, this is a chance for DeAndre Ayton to prove himself. It's a chance for Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson and you know the rest of this team to prove themselves. But it's also a chance for Devin Booker to have a MVP caliber end to an already MVP caliber season. I think when you compare Devin Booker to the rest of the NBA right now, he kind of gets disrespected with some of the names that are thrown out for MVP. Yeah, I love Joel Embiid. I love Jokic. I love Giannis. I think LeBron James is an MVP candidate, and I think Steph Curry has been one of, if not the best player, in the NBA this year. But Devin Booker is not as far behind those guys as a lot of people are going to going to say to you uh, or you're going to see in the NBA stratosphere. A lot of the guys right now that you will talk about have one, have one major, I guess, weakness when it comes to their offensive game. Devin Booker has probably the strongest offensive game in the NBA at this moment. Outside of maybe Stephen Curry, I would probably want Devin Booker taking every shot for my team if I had a chance. And if you look up Devin Booker's shot chart on StatMuse, you'll see he literally is above league average, well above league average in some categories, at every single spot on the floor when it comes to his shooting percentages. That's not something that... I think is really being talked about enough is just how efficient he's been. Not just from like the main spots on the floor, but literally from everywhere. A Devin Booker shot that is being put up is more than likely to go in than any other guy in the NBA, except like I said, maybe Stephen Curry or, you know, a couple other guys. Um, but for Phoenix, it's a lot more Than what other teams are doing because Phoenix has had such a good start to the season. They've had such an incredible year so far. Uh, There's a really good chance that they end up holding the NBA Finals trophy by the time this season is done. Uh, And just, I don't think enough people are really recognizing the type of season that Devin Booker already has had so far. And with Chris Paul going down for these next possible up to eight weeks, uh, this is a really good chance for him to finish the MVP season that he's already on. Um, Yeah, the only other thing that I could say could happen to the Phoenix Suns is whether or not they try to go into the buyout market. uh, There's a really good chance that Dennis Schroeder gets bought out from the Houston Rockets as well as John Wall. Uh, That's a lot of money for that team to just cut a check to both of those guys. Uh, I mean, that's not that much money for Dennis Schroeder, but I mean, hey, that much money is still a lot of money. Um, and especially in Schroeder's case, because I don't think anybody really cares if the LA Lakers get John Wall, because at this point, John Wall hasn't even played for Houston. He's, he's still within two or three years of coming back from Achilles and knee injuries that... You know, I don't think anyone cares if the Lakers get John Wall, but especially for the Phoenix Suns being that they are in the exact same conference as the LA Lakers, and there's a good chance that they see the Lakers in the first round again like they did last year. I would say that adding Dennis Schroeder not only is a positive for your team in the short run in, an, in replacement of CP3, but when CP3 comes back, Dennis Schroeder has played with CP3 before. There's obvious chemistry there. And he's played in lineups before with CP3 with another guard like Devin Booker when he was with, uh, when Dennis Schroeder was in OKC when they had him, CP3, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, I'm not saying Shea is Devin Booker. I'm not saying Devin Booker is Shea. But those are similar situations. And those three guard lineups in OKC were actually really deadly when those three guys were on the court. Not only that, but it blocks the Lakers from adding the best possible player that they could add right now. Uh, they're not going to be able to get any trades done, obviously, past the deadline, and there's really not any other main guys in the buyout market that could actually come to the Lakers and help them get out of this rat hole that they're in right now as the number nine team in the Western Conference. Um, at this point for this team, the only option they have is if Dennis Schroeder gets bought out, and if you're Phoenix, not only does it help you in a short run, uh, short-term run, short run by adding Dennis Schroeder to replace Chris Paul for two months, but... When Chris Paul comes back, Dennis Schroeder has been able to play with CP3 before, and it blocks the Lakers from adding the best player that they could get at the moment. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I'm kind of excited for this next two months for especially Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns if they don't add Schroeder or whether they do add Schroeder if he even does end up on the buyout market. Like I said, I think I think Booker has a chance to really enter and win the MVP at the end of the year. And if they still have the best record in the NBA and he has this you know, last couple months stretch where he averages over 30 points a game, is getting everybody involved, is dominating at his position, is dominating his matchup every single night, I see no other player who deserves MVP more than Devin Booker. Now, moving on to the team that I did just talk about a minute ago, the LA Lakers, uh, major major issues obviously with their team and with Anthony Davis in this new ankle injury um, you know he's only played in 66% of the games basically 67% of the games which honestly seems high considering you know it's it almost seems like people treat Anthony Davis to the Lakers like what Luol Dang was for the Lakers when he got signed there a few years ago uh, you know here's the thing about about Anthony Davis's time in LA, both with him on the court and with him off the court, you can't necessarily say that trading for him has been a failure because they did win that NBA Finals in the bubble. They did, even though a lot of people are going to say it's a it's a it's a asterisk uh, NBA Finals. It's still an NBA Finals, and it was a difficult one at that. They're thirty-five and thirty in the three seasons without Anthony Davis, and. If you look at their plus-minus when he is off the court, it's not a crazy jump from when he is on the court. Uh, their their team is so badly constructed that whether or not Anthony Davis is on the floor or not, the Lakers are not a very talented team. Um, and I think that's kind of rubbed off on AD in a way that a lot of people didn't really expect to happen at the beginning of the season. Um I think a lot of people just assumed, even though this team had either talent that was out of its prime and washed, they just assumed that Anthony Davis was going to be this guy to make a bunch of guys who were past their prime and not capable of carrying Knights like they used to. A lot of people just assumed Anthony Davis was going to pick up the slack for every single player on the team. And he can't, he obviously can't do that. And with another ankle injury, they're going to have him be on the sidelines for a month now and it's going to be another month of LeBron James just putting up 35 a night um you know it just it's not working out in LA everybody knows this you know but at this point everybody's going to make the claim that the LA Lakers need to trade Anthony Davis and if you think about it there couldn't be a stupid (laughs) there couldn't there couldn't be a more fucking stupid move in the nba right now than trading anthony davis the new orleans pelicans still haven't haven't recovered from trading anthony davis even though they have talented players they're still (laughs) 13 games under 500 in the past two seasons they've been one of the worst teams in the nba uh they were a playoff team when anthony davis was there and like i said earlier anthony davis is kind of getting blamed for things that aren't in his control He didn't put together this roster that features Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, Carmelo Anthony, Avery Bradley, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza. Like, these are guys who are expected to play major roles for this team. And, you know, Anthony Davis can't just step in and be the guy who supplements everybody because that's not what... He's made to do. He's made to dominate when he's on the floor at what he's good at dominating at, which is playing incredible defense, blocking shots, running to the rim and getting lobs, being able to post up smaller guys. Like he's not meant to just be this guy. He's not meant to be Magic Johnson or LeBron James. He's meant to be someone who can just dominate at what he does really well. He can't get everybody involved. He can't make everybody better. Does he make some of his teammates better? Yes, because he attracts a lot of attention. But that's not his main goal is to just... Or that's not his main... That's not his main strength to make the whole team around him better. Um, And at this point, there's, there's no worse option that you could make than trading Anthony Davis. Like I said, that's probably one of the stupidest things you could do. Especially when you consider... You know, something that a lot of people haven't really thought about is there's no guarantee that Russ is going to be on the roster next year. I think everybody would probably, not everybody, I think a lot of people would agree that Russell Westbrook has probably been one of the main issues for the LA Lakers. When you talk about how poorly they've played and how unstable they've been as a team over these past four or five months now. And it's not something that people didn't see coming. I mean, you'll find a lot of people talking in the summer when Russell Westbrook was traded from Washington to LA that were saying that this wasn't going to work. This has honestly been one of the few times in the past few years where you see a star get traded to another team and it just doesn't work on paper and it also doesn't work on the floor. It's one of the few times you actually see it pan out that way. Um, over the past 10 to 15 years of superstars being traded. But there's a chance that Russ isn't going to be on the team next year. I know there's reports saying, oh, the Lakers are going to run it back with this roster. There's a lot of other (laughs) franchises in the NBA that have some bad contracts on their roster. If the Lakers wanted to get this done, they could get it done. And another thing to consider, you know, Russell Westbrook is never afraid to take a route That is less traveled. He's never afraid to do it his own way. And he does have a player option coming up for next season. Yes, it's $47 million. And maybe he wouldn't be the smartest man in the world to just sacrifice a year of annoying work for $47 million. But at the same time, he's made a lot of money in his career. He's been one of the main icons of the NBA over the past 10 to 12 years that he's been in the NBA. I wouldn't keep it out of the realm of possibility that he's going to decline that player option next year because he's already said it. He's not really into the whole ring chasing, just making sure everything he does is to win a championship. He's in a spot in his career and in his life where that's not the main goal anymore. His main goal is to play basketball and have fun doing it. I mean, that's really what he's trying to do. He's not trying to kill himself over a championship anymore. That's not the goal that the LA Lakers and LeBron James have right now. They are chasing a title now. They're chasing championships. You know, I I just don't see Russell Westbrook. I wouldn't be surprised if he does not decline the player option. It just, it makes sense. And even if he does accept it, like I said, there's, there's a lot of teams in the NBA that have some really bad contracts. And namely the Orlando Magic, have a very bad situation right now with Markel Fultz, with Jonathan Isaac, and they're paying Gary Harris $21 million next year. Don't rule out Russell Westbrook either getting traded to Magic or the Knicks or other teams that have really bad contracts or him just not accepting that player option, like I said. All right. A little pivot to the NFL at this point. Uh, we're about, let's see, what day is what day is it today? As the twenty-first, and we are about a month away from the first league day of the NFL season, and that is the first day that free agents can sign with new teams. Um, and I think this year, a lot, especially compared to years that we've seen before, there's going to be a lot of movement. Of really big names in the NFL. And especially on this offensive side of the ball, even though it's there's some positions that it's not as deep, there's still gonna be a lot of money spread around to a lot of these guys. And I go I went the I took the liberty of making the all-free agent offense. Probably tomorrow when I do another one of these little podcast things, I'll do the defensive side of the ball, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. So at quarterback, it's a really deep quarterback class this year. You got names like Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, and Tyrod Taylor as your big name guys. You got some Brian Hoyer, uh, Scott Schedler or Stevler from the Arizona Cardinals, as well as John Wolford from the Rams or Cardinals, whatever team. If you can't tell, like, this is not a very good quarterback free agent class. Like I said, the top three quarterbacks are probably Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, and a Tyrod Taylor who hasn't played past week three in, what, four years? I uh, There's not a lot of quarterbacks that are good in this free agent class, but there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks who get un, not undeserved money. I almost said something really stupid. Uh, they're going to get a lot of money that could be used elsewhere for some of these teams. Um, Yeah. Quarterbacks just not the strong suit of this free agent class. Now running backs, not incredible names. A lot of efficient names though, I would say Uh, Cordero Patterson, Raheem Mostert, Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon are the four guys that I really see as the main guys in this free agent class at the running back position. Uh, You got some other good names, you know, there's, Mich- there's Sonny Michelle, there's James White. Um, oh, there's another one that I remember. Oh, Marlon Mack, 25-year-old Marlon Mack. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of decent running backs in this free agent class, but not one of those guys like, you know, a few years ago when DeMarco Murray was up for free agency or, you know, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, guys in the past that have been big name free agents. Not a lot of those right now, but still some decent names. That could, you know, tip the scale a little bit in their new team's favor. Uh, the wide receiver position is probably the deepest position, both in just general depth at like receiver two and three spots, but there's a lot of wide receiver ones um, and just primary receivers up in this class, uh, namely Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, OBJ, Devonte Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, Mike Gallup, and Allen Lazard. Um, Obviously, guys like Chris Godwin, OBJ, um, and Michael Gallup have injuries that they're coming back from. And especially in OBJ's case, I can't really see a team taking a chance on OBJ. Not just because it's OBJ, but because it's two years now of that left ACL. or It's either his left or right. Obviously, it's either his left or right ACL. I don't know which one else it would have been. But it's two years now of the same ACL being torn. And it's, you know, uh, there's a chance that he doesn't get a big contract. Either way, it's going to be a two-year contract wherever he goes because it's going to be a rehab year for him no matter what. Uh, I don't know if the rehab gets worse the second time you tear your ACL. Not a lot of people tear their ACL the same time or the same ACL twice. So it's probably going to be a longer recovery period for OBJ. So expect like a two-year contract out of him. You know, go somewhere where it's probably nice. It's probably, you know, a winning culture as they say these days and somewhere that he could really just rehab well um especially you know other names like Chris Godwin and Michael Gallup I would expect those two guys to probably just stay where they're at because you know especially in Chris Goblin's case he's still only 25 and we have seen younger guys who do tear their ACL early in their early in their career uh, like OBJ like Allen Robinson Uh, Those guys have came back and been efficient players at their position after ACL tears. So, you know, since the proof is there, it probably would be a bad idea for the team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to let Chris Godwin walk. It'd be a bad idea for Dallas to let Michael Gallup walk because they probably could get him at a discounted rate considering they're coming off of injuries. Um, But other than guys who are injured right now, there's some really good receivers right now. We don't know what Devonte Adams is going to do. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers retires or goes somewhere else, he's not staying in Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers does go back to Green Bay, then Devonte Adams will go back to Green Bay. Like we we just don't know what's going to happen with him. It is pretty much solely based on what Aaron Rodgers does. Um, Mike Williams, Mike Williams, and Ar. Twelve Allen Robinson are easily my two favorite receivers from this free agency class. Uh, the Bears would be complete idiots to let Allen Robinson go, and the Chargers wouldn't be very smart to let Mike Williams go. Um, neither of those teams are very deep at either receiver or just playmakers um, in general. So, like I said, I can't see either of these guys. I can see both of them leaving, but I can't see it being a good choice by either team to let them walk, uh, especially for nothing. Um, and then Allen Lazard... I think Alan Lazard is probably gone from Green Bay. Um, He's kind of going to get lost in the shuffle of the Packers trying to get Aaron Rodgers back, trying to re-sign Devontae Adams no matter what. Uh, I think he's kind of going to get lost in the shuffle. So just don't be surprised if he leaves uh, and you're a Packers fan. Uh, The tight end position. Interesting names. You got C.J. Ozama, Gerald Everett, Evan Ingram, and David Njoku. Now, those last three guys did not have great years. Uh, I wouldn't say C.J. Uzama was the greatest tight end in the world last year, but his playoff run was above average at his position. Uh, so he gets he's probably going to get a good payday this year. Um, but Gerald Everett, Evan Ingram, and David Njoku. Uh, <laughs> here's what I'll say about David Njoku. I don't think there's a more athletic tight end in the NFL right now that is about to enter his prime. Other than maybe Evan Ingram, David Njoku's ability as an athlete at that tight end position cannot go understated. He rivals a lot of guys in his size, in his in his ability, in his talent, and his and his athleticism. And that's something that I don't think, if you're Cleveland, you can just let go of without trying to figure out what can make him great for your team. Because they haven't figured it out yet. And they haven't really had a chance with all his injury issues that he's had and um, all of that. Uh, and the last guy, Gerald Everett and Evan Ingram. You know, Evan Ingram has issues with dropping passes. I could still see him going somewhere like maybe Cleveland. Uh, to play with Austin Hooper. I could see him going somewhere like Seattle. I could see him going a lot of different places, but I, it's just—it's probably run its course in New York. And then Gerald Everett, you know, I loved the move for Seattle early in the year, and then late in the year, it seemed like he just hated playing football for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I think a lot of the players thought that way, but he probably, I don't know if teams are going to love what they saw out of Gerald Everett last year. And it's not going to be a huge payday for him. Even though he is a very talented guy. Probably the most talented available tight end at the moment. And then we have everybody's favorite positions. The offensive line. Everybody loves to play offensive line. It's something that everybody can do. Something that everybody wants to do. And it has no repercussions at all. So at the tackle position, really it's not a deep year for the offensive line. Uh, You do have some good names especially at the tackle position, you have two guys from the same team with Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, I don't see... It's another one of those things where it's, you know, Kansas City would probably be dumb to let both of these guys go because especially at tackle, there's not a lot of guys left uh, to pick through after those guys are gone. So, you know, Orlando Brown is probably going to come back to Kansas City, uh, but Andrew Wiley's probably gone. And then... This interior offensive line, I'm going to try to keep this quick because I'm almost over 26 minutes. Uh, Brandon Scherf, James Daniels, Ryan Jensen, Justin Britt, and Bradley Bozeman. All good options. Uh, The interior of the offensive line has a lot more guys as well, but just not big names like those guys. Um, Yeah, and that's going to be the episode. Uh, Yeah, I'll talk to you guys later.